Didn't, didn't John do a great job last week? That was so powerful. John does not love speaking in front of everybody. Uh, it's a great crucible for him, but he's so filled with the Lord and history with God. That Thank you for sharing that with us. So, um, yeah. I'm just enjoying the fact that there's ripples of laughter for no apparent reason. It's making me feel good. Fourth of July weekend, usually we remember something about our nation, and all I know is things are bananas. Can you relate to me, right? Things are a little bananas right now. We had a trustees meeting last week. And it was really good, and we were praying and hearing the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, I was like, hey, could one of you guys, the next thing we try to do as trustees, can you fix inflation? And so Scott Long's going to fix it. So, yeah, gratefully. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> there he is in the back. With the power of Dave Ramsey in his bones. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm what I'm coming to, you know, we talked about COVID, new normal. Here's what the new normal is: abnormal. The new normal is abnormal, right? So we look at our political landscape is a little bananas, right? Our political landscape. I'm telling you guys, not just nationally, geopolitically, right? With the stuff going on in Eastern Europe is is really crazy. Stuff going on in the city of Tulsa right now is really crazy. Even just, I was talking to Richard, our uh, police officer who takes care of us on Sundays, and he's talking about how much gang violence they're expecting to have to deal with uh, throughout this weekend. Because it's harder for the police to know if it's fireworks or guns. And so the gangs will go after people that this weekend because of that. Um, there's stuff, crazy stuff going on in our school systems. We've got crazy banana stuff going on uh, with most of our institutions uh, in the Western world. <laughs> We're always ca- ha- having shocking revelations every week. It's to the point where no shocking revelations. This is a weird week, right? Socially, economically, politically, you name it, it's bananas. So I was asking the Lord, just as being one of the, the shepherds here, that, that are my, we have a very simple job as shepherds. We just keep on saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. So I asked Jesus, what do we need? And I'll, I'll confess my temptation to you. My temptation to you is I want to be an expert who has just the right opinions on all the issues so that we'll know which way to go. And I think God finds that fairly amusing. But I feel that temptation. And I do have opinions on a whole bunch of stuff. But, but as I was asking the Lord, what do we need from you in this time when, when there's so much chaos that it's kind of like, like you have 
have, have an app running in the background all the time, or you've never, you, you never did the screen thing where it turns your phone off. It just, and so you're running all the time. And, and there's like this kind of ongoing sense of fatigue. There's a wonderful prayer. There's a, uh, Every Moment Holy is a cool book that has these prayers for all these different times. And one of the prayers is for too, the prayer for too much information. That we don't even have the emotional capacity to handle all the things we know that are going badly in the world. So I said, Lord, what do we need? And I thought, you know, we're going to address this or that. And I felt like all he just said is, you all don't know how great I am. You all don't believe how great I am. So I felt like we need to hear from God. How great are you? How great are you? And that will be the center. And what I love about this is Jesus never really hangs out with symptoms. He goes for the throat. And a lot of times you think, what are you talking about, Jesus? And only later you realize, ooh, that was the very thing I needed. So we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And I'm just going to slowly go through pretty much every phrase in here quickly enough that we'll catch the message. But I want to also respond to what the Lord, I believe, the Holy Spirit brought to us last week through John Free was that, We'd pause for a minute and ask Jesus to give us the help we need to have a humble heart. So when we come to these scriptures, even if you've seen these many times, to have a humble heart to say, I probably don't know all that's going on, even in these simple sentences, and a, a posture that says, I'm going to obey whatever Jesus leads me to. Can we pray that? So we just get, let's close our eyes, and that's the whole thing. We ask you, Father, to give us grace, to have a humble heart. My guess is there's, there's probably nobody in this room who's just so cocky. They think they know everything. But, Lord, I know when we're scared, we grab for information. We, we grab for the familiar, and it actually turns into pride, Lord, where we wouldn't let you say something different to us than we thought you were going to. So you help us with that. And then, Lord, will you give us, we've been talking about, we've seen you move mountains. Will you deepen our trust so that whatever it is you reveal to us, we will do, we'll put into action because you love us. And you want a beautiful, flourishing life for us, and not just for us, but for a chaotic, frightened, angry world. And everybody who agreed with me said, Amen. All right. So I'm just going to read through this and then just go through it a little bit. And then we'll see what some of the implications are. I'm reading the New English translation, by the way, just because it, it caught the force of two of the verbs in here. I think the best. New English translation I really enjoy. Um, they have their own app, if you ever want to look at it. It's uh, just New English translation. Um, and also it's on version. Uh, so here we go. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed 
in glory with him. So anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what do you ask? What is it there for? If there's a therefore, what is it there for? It means there's some reason he's saying it. We're, we're looking back. We're going to have to look in the context. He, he gives us a nice phrase here. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, what does that mean? Well, if you've been following Jesus for a little while, you probably know. But Paul actually gives it to, gives it to us in this letter he wrote to the church in Colossae. Here's the things he talked about that were related to being raised with Christ. He says, you, Colossian believers, were at one time strangers and enemies in your minds as expressed through your evil deeds. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through death to present you holy, without blemish and blameless before him. Paul goes on to say in chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, having been buried with him In baptism, you also have been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And even though you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, in others, and by Paul that means is the outside of God's familyness, he nevertheless made you alive with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. He has destroyed what was against us. A certificate of indebtedness expressed in decrees opposed to us. He's taking it all away by nailing it to the cross. So that's what Paul meant. If you've been raised with Christ, it's this idea that we were dead in our sins. And that Jesus, taking our sins upon himself, letting them kill him and come back to life, him offering us his life, that when we are saying yes to Jesus, I'll put my faith in you to forgive my sins and and be baptized, that then we're raised into his life. There's something about us that's different, that the life of God is actually in us. Things are okay between us and God. So Paul's saying, if you've been raised with Christ, if that's your experience, keep seeking the things above. Keep thinking. What I, want to, what I want to note here is what I liked about the New English translation is, is the, you'll see in some of the translations, it'll say set your minds. Set, and that's good. All the translations are good. But, but the, the, it doesn't have, you don't catch this ongoing. The, the verb in the Greek is saying ongoing. In other words, what I don't want us to think is you set your mind once and you're done. Make sense? So we keep seeking, keep thinking. The NIV says set your hearts because seeking has to do with your will, your want to. Thinking has to do with your mind. Keep seeking, keep thinking. The things above, what in the world does that mean? Do any of you get kind of a hazy idea of what things above might mean? I don't, I do. My mental pictures are always like, I don't know, it's kind of golden. (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. It's kind of this vague golden thing. It, it, but Paul actually addresses these things. He gives us some help. He says things about where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This is really, really important. We see it in the previous context. He talks about, here's what the things above where Christ is seated at God's hand looks like. He's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible 
God. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. For all things in heaven and on earth were created in him. All things, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and all things are held together in him. Jesus is the head of the body, the church, as well as the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself may become first in all things. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in the Son, and through him to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, through him with the things on earth or things in heaven. Paul goes on to say, he became a servant. Paul became a servant of the church according to the stewardship from God given to me for you in order to complete the word of God. That is the mystery. The word of God that is this mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. God wanted to make it, make known to them the glorious riches of this mystery among the Gentiles. And what's that mystery? It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. And then Paul goes on saying his goal is that for the Colossians' hearts to be knit together in love. They may be encouraged. They may have all the riches that assurance brings in their understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of God. Namely, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Talk, uh, uh, John talked about this last week, that in Jesus, all the treasures of the deep things that we're wondering about are hidden in Jesus himself. So if things above, if we just summarize what we just read there, the things above are about Jesus as the creator of all things. Jesus as the king over all things. Jesus as the head of the church. Jesus as the firstborn from the dead. Jesus as the first in all things. Jesus as reconciling all things to himself through the cross. Jesus as the location of all wisdom and knowledge. And Jesus currently living in the baptized believer. That's what it means to say things above. Okay, we'll continue on with the passage. He contrasts them, Paul does, instead of focusing on things that are on the earth. It's think on things above, not things on the earth. What does Paul mean by that? He actually explains it in the prior context. He says this, be careful, be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. He said, if you've died with Christ to the elemental spirits or teachings of the world, why do you submit to them as though you lived in the world? And then Paul says there's a couple things that it looks like when you do that. There'll be religious practices that are not focused on Jesus and religious practices that actually create arrogance and criticism that cause division within the church. Again, he's speaking to people in the church. In the Colossian church saying, why are you going with human philosophies? These, these things that you're not, you're dead to all that thing. And, and what it looks like is you're super religious and you can't get along because of it. 
So this, this whole passage here that we just read, here, here's kind of a little summary of it so far. Different language. Things above equals Jesus is king over everything and reconciling it all to himself. That Jesus is actually fixing everything. He's in the process and he's over it all. Things below, things on earth are philosophies and ways of the world. Things that don't have Jesus at the center. It's actually quite simple. If Jesus isn't at the center, likely it's a worldly philosophy. And even though the believer is dead to things on earth and alive to Jesus, she must consistently reject things on earth and persistently seek and think about things above. So that's just the first two sentences. All right. So let's look a little further into this. Now, question about the banana stuff, right? Have any of you read this passage before or heard it and thought, that's like, reminds me of too heavenly minded for any earthly good. You ever heard that phrase? Like, I'm just supposed to... Think about things above when the world's like burning down around me. Shouldn't I grab some water, you know, and do something about it? But I promise you that this is not what Paul is talking about. This is not at all what Paul's talking about. So the question is, what does it look like practically to live a life that is focused on things above where Christ is and saying no to worldly philosophies? Well, he's, he, he tells us. First thing is, Remember, you're dead. Like, here's a great, great example of whether I'm dead or alive, right? And I've told you guys this before. This, you just happen to come. You guys are all off, but I happen to work today. You're, at my, you're in my office, right? And so one of my alives of my dead lifestyle is how many people are here is how successful I am. which I've yet to find a Bible verse that explains that in that way. In fact, I've noticed Jesus does what he can to make people go away. He's like, eat my body, drink my blood. You guys just want to eat food. You know, he's like, whoa, Jesus. But I have to consciously die. Remember, I'm dead. Two Sundays ago, I, I knew I had to say something that was a little spicy. I was standing here. And I said, Jesus, this is weird. Why am I scared? He says, because you think you have something to lose. You like this. And I'm like, I do like this. I do feel like I have something to lose. Sorry, Lord, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. Dead to the ways of the world. Father loves us. And our life is hidden with Christ and God. Hidden with Christ and God. How is this practical focus on the things above? It's that we're dead to the ways of the world and our life is hidden with Christ and God. What does that mean? This means, first of all, that I start to become the image of Jesus to the world. That I am less relevant. Dead men are buried. But I become hidden with Christ so that the identity of Jesus Christ starts to be the very thing that you see. And the other thing is I'm safe in Jesus. If you've ever read the Psalms at all, 
over and over again, we see the psalmist right. Say, oh God, I hide myself in you. Psalm 31, my friend, I'm hiding. You're my protection against the accusing tongues of other people. You're the place I shelter. That we are fundamentally safe if we're in Jesus. Doesn't matter what's going on around us, we are fundamentally safe. And then Paul says, interesting phrase, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with him. What's fascinating about Paul here, he in two sentences takes basically an entire history of, of humanity and the gospel. He's basically this, is that yes, the image of Jesus has begun in us, but it won't be fully revealed until Jesus returns. Does that make sense? It's, we call it the now, not yet, that, that we're saved in being saved. The kingdom of God has come, but not fully yet. It's the same in this image of Jesus thing in us, that the image has started to be formed in us, but it won't be till Jesus appears that will fully be revealed in glory with him. In Romans 8, Paul says, all of creation is groaning to, for the sons of God to be revealed. Like, can't wait that there's mountains. I don't know how it happens, but the mountains and, and, and stars waiting for the sons of God to be revealed in the image of Jesus to be fully displayed in all of creation. Something more beautiful than we could possibly even imagine. And another way to think about this when it comes to then seeking the things above versus the things below is we're dead to things on the earth, but must still choose to die to them and seek things above. That there's this now and not yet tension. Does that make sense? I don't know why I say that because there's no way to respond to it really. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so here's what Paul says right after this. Then he's, he, he expands for us what it means to look like the image of Jesus now in this tension between fully being the image of Jesus and on the way. So he says, put to death, you're already dead, but put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth. And I'll just summarize it here, bullet point it. The first thing, immoral sexual desires and activity. Another one, greed. Anna Lucas is so helpful in this. Did you know you can be greedy with your time? And what that looks like is overcommitment. Overcommitment is a form of greed. Did you know that? More, more, I gotta get this done. Da, da, da. Please that person. Da, 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 da. Anger at all its friends, like rage and malice. Unholy language, like lying or slander of others. Oh friends. Oh friends. Um, it's in my mind, so I'm gonna say it. Do you know saying slanderous things about political figures you don't agree with is sin? It doesn't matter what side it's on. That's not the relevant thing. We're the image of Jesus. The image of Jesus. I am super guilty of this. The word idiot is very common. <laughs> when I describe things and I have to repent. Because I, I, am I seeking the things above? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I talking as if Jesus is in charge and he's not nervous? I'm not. I'm nervous. That's why I'm doing the world thing. Okay. Judgment based on externals 
rather than identity in Christ. That's one of the things that looks like when we're focusing on things on the earth. Then Paul says, in contrast to that, that's what it looks like. Be focused on things in the earth. In contrast, he says, clothe yourselves with. Another way of saying, focus on the things above. Here's what that looks like, and I'll bullet point it. Colossians 3, 12 through 4, 6. Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness with others, patience with others. These are all for other people, by the way. You know what I'm saying? Lots of times, I want to be so merciful, but just not deal with any people. Right? There's only way to do these things is with other people, okay? Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness within the church family. That's what it looks like practically to have our minds plastered on things above. Love. Paul says it's all summed up beautifully in love, laying down. You know, love, oh my goodness, is not an emotion. Emotions are so unsustainable, aren't they? Love is a decisive way of being with others. It's deeply sacrificial. Peaceful relationships. Let the peace of Christ, this is where that sentence comes from, that we often say, let the peace of Christ rule in you. What we often mean is, I want to feel peaceful. Well, Paul's saying, I want you to get along. Gratitude. Gratitude is a secret weapon. It is a secret weapon. It's a weapon for mental health, guys. My therapists have talked about one of the ways to deal with moderate depression. They've shown incredible studies that show if you think of five things a day you're grateful for. Craig, you can tell me. Is this true? That it will relieve symptoms of depression with gratitude. Yeah. Go to Illumination Weekend whenever you can with Craig. The guy's incredible. Edifying speech. My wife was talking about her uh, was an oral surgeon. And this guy's so edifying. The oral, she had to come and tell me. My, my son got his wisdom teeth out. She had to come and tell me, that, this guy's amazing. I just feel good after talking to the oral surgeon. Like, this has never happened. I mean, right? I mean, but it was so pronounced. It's going to be a good day for you. This is going to be a good thing. You know, it's like, and of course, I'm cynical. I think it's Chris Traeger, right, from Parks and Rec. It's like, anyway, the, can't be true, weirdo. So that's a me problem. See, this is where Jesus is changing me. I'm in the process becoming the image of God. Seeking things above looks like Jesus getting attention through our lives. Is it a problem that I can't have a Jesus fish on my car? I mean, I consciously know this. This would be a bad idea. <laughs> Jesus is working on me. How about this? Wives and husbands getting along. That's the practical outworking of keeping our minds on things above. It's children and parents getting along. It's fathers discipling their kids. It's being diligent at the workplace is unto Jesus, not as unto a human boss. Think about that, right? You've got to know you're working for Jesus and not for that guy, right? And fair leadership. Don't be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Right? Make it a pleasure to work for you. 
devotion to prayer. That's one of the, one of the things that just is, is, is a sign that we're focused on things above. Wise, gracious, attractive engagement with unbelievers. See, isn't this crazy? This is all, if you just read this, this is all right there. Right there in Colossians. That something about your life, Paul says, like, he said, be, be gracious with unbelievers so that it's almost like you're attractive, like there's salt in you. Seasoned with salt, they're like, huh, I like to taste a little more of that. So, what do we need? What do we need? What do we need in this bananas moment? I'll read it again. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with Him. Here's other language I'd like to use to summarize this. Things above. Is Jesus is king over everything and reconciling it all to himself. That's the basis of this whole thing. Jesus is, is Jesus king. He created everything in him for him. This is his planet. This is my father's world. There is no threat to God's kingship. He's not counting on us to make sure he doesn't lose. In case you didn't know, we're all going to die. I mean, if he's relying on us, he has made a grave mistake. <laughs> Things on earth are philosophies and ways of the world, ways of engaging the world that aren't as Jesus is in charge. I think, guys, I think... I think we have really damaged our witness in the U.S. And it's not because of what we're saying. It's because of how we're doing it. I, 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 I think so many, like the abortion thing, so grateful our laws are reflective of the Father's heart. So, so grateful. Guys, I mean, Andrea Hogue was working through some numbers in her estimates so that we could, next year alone, have 1,000 teenagers pregnant with child that we didn't have last year. 1,000. That's awesome for life. We have got to lay our lives down, friends. The ways of the world will they, I won, and let's move on. Oh, God, have mercy on us. The cross is like the greatest failure in human history. Jesus' way of winning is by losing big and laying his life down. We've got to say no to the ways of the world of domination and power. We've got to win. Jesus doesn't work that way, man. You know how many people Jesus disappointed? Everybody. They all left at his most important moment. His closest guys he was counting on all took off. Why? Because the ways of the earth were just so used to them. We think that that's the way you win. It's not. Jesus showed us. Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of God. That means the authority of God himself. Everything, every star you see, every molecule that exists, every human, past, present, and future, he is the boss of. 
Every government. He's the boss. Is that? Is that our focus? Even though the believer is dead to things on earth and alive to Jesus, she must consistently reject things on earth and persistently seek and think about things above. There's action that is required of us, that, that there's still ruts in our brains. I'm sure Drew could tell us, you know, that with the synapse, you know, the patterns in our brains, they take a minute to undo. And here's the powerful thing. When the believer is seeking things above, it will be evident in her emotions, actions, and relationships. It's not just an idea. It's just not something we believe. It's something we take action on and starts to manifest in the image of Jesus in our culture. Okay, so here's, here's a self-assessment for all of us. Am I seeking the things above when it comes to the world as bananas? I mean, for me, it's as simple as this. I'm, having, I'm genuinely saying to the Lord, would you like me to read the news now and will you do it with me? I'm not joking. And there's times he says, no, don't. Why? I'm seeking things above. But if I'm not informed, the world will fall apart. No, it probably won't even know. <laughs> there are times when I feel like, Lord, say, hey, let's do this. And I have to stop one. I say, Jesus, I'm getting angry. I'm starting to feel a little bit of despair right now. Can we do that? So here, here's some questions. Do I believe actually that Jesus is the king over everything and is reconciling it all to himself? That, 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 takes, a, that takes faith, my friends. It takes a history from, with God. That's why that, that song, I believe you can move a mountain. Really for me, it, it's, it's, I've had to believe you know, that the bill will get paid. That's where I'm at, right? You know, not ready for a mountain just yet. Or, or this person will, will actually will reconcile relationship with me. But as we develop this history with God, we start to grow more and more. Jesus, you know, I have more and more confidence now at 50 years old and walked with Jesus through some painful things. That I have confidence that Jesus is going to be okay. I'm not anxious like I used to be because of my history with God. And I'm getting better at noticing Oh, I'm anxious. Maybe I'm not seeking things above right now. Do I try to address the craziness of the world based on things above or do I resort to things on earth? Again, I think that sometimes our emotions are really wonderful indicators. If there's anger, anxiety, or shame, most likely it's a thing of the earth. And don't run from it. Just say, okay, Jesus, this is where I'm at. This is my go-to. Let's you and I talk about this. Will you help me? Will you transform me? What if it could be that after a while, you could open the news and it could say anything and you'd be at peace because you believe Jesus is the king of the universe. He's reconciling all things to himself. He's going to work that out in your actual body and life. And so this is the big one. What do my emotions, actions, and relationships tell me about whether I'm seeking things above or still relying on the things on earth? Does that make sense? I hope it does. God is so kind to us. What, what, what a lot of times what we'll do is try to run from the emotion itself and comfort ourselves, you know what I mean, by di- usually distraction. 
probably not a lot of drug users in, in here. Uh, and, it, you know, I get it with drug use. I get it with alcohol abuse. That makes total sense to me. If you don't have any way for Jesus to relieve it, that's just faster. I get it. But, you know, Netflix works the same, a little bit. <laughs> I, love, I love TV, man, I do. But I want to do it with Jesus, fully open to what's going on inside of me. Does that make sense? Because otherwise, you know how it is, you just get back out of it and it's all there still. Oh boy. And now I'm even grumpier. Because I didn't sleep enough. You know, Jerry Seinfeld talks about nighttime guy and morning guy. Two different guys. Morning guy always hates nighttime guy. He's like, jerk, but nighttime guy is, oh, forget morning guy. We're going to have some fun, you know. Could it be that Jesus just sinking back into him and being quiet and remember his affection for you will actually be more satisfying than just blowing it on something else? I, I don't know. So here, here's, here's a practical action we could take for this. What you could do this week, Colossians is only four chapters. You could read Colossians, just read it once all the way through in one sitting. Then each day, read one chapter slowly for the next six days. This, you don't have to do this, but this is... So how do we start seeking the things above? Well, we got to get in our heads, what actually is it that I'm seeking? What, what, what's the reference point? This is about worldview, and then worldview being able to be acted out. We're actually shedding the old philosophies that we've been raised in. Most of us, through our, our educational systems, through media, through whatever, have been indoctrinated in a way of viewing the world that is actually not based on reality. Reality is that Jesus has been risen from the dead and is in king of everything. And then ask God to give you a humble heart and the power to obey. Most likely, it won't be something epic. It won't be like, solve world hunger, you know. It'll be more like, call your boss and apologize for being late all the time. And that feels harder, doesn't it? <laughs> That's way worse. <laughs> Mostly, likely to be one or two little things. I've found that, like, it's like workout routines, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this book, second time I read it, it's hilarious. It's about this guy who invited a Navy SEAL to live with him for an entire month and do workouts with him. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, Kelly, I'm going to do 500 push-ups. And she's like, what? You know? <laughs> the odds are, I probably need to start with 10. You know what I'm saying? That Jesus, Jesus it, it's always a little more humble, but it's something that we can start to live into. All right. So we're going to seal this moment by doing communion together. You'll notice on your chairs is the little communion receptacle. I still continually try to think this through, like, how close is this to the actual Passover meal? I don't know. But it's close enough. Jesus is so flexible. This is us, the central act of worship that Jesus clearly said, I want you to do in remembrance of me. I'm going to read the text 
Paul says this, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here's the fun part of that. If we're proclaiming the Lord's death and we put our faith in Jesus, we're also proclaiming our death. So if you put your faith in Jesus, could this be a moment? Could this be a moment where we gladly say, I'm participating with your death, Jesus. And then I'm also letting you raise me to the new life in the image of Jesus that you've destined for me. So I'm going to pray. Father, thank you that you're so smart. You knew exactly what we needed. You knew we needed this, this meal, this, this physical three-dimensional thing to help us understand what it is you've done for us. And truth be told, we're never going to fully understand it. But will you help us just a little bit more, just a little bit more, understand that you, through your body, have been broken. And all the brokenness of the world, you've taken on yourself. There's not a single piece of brokenness. From world wars to mosquitoes, you have not missed a bit that you've taken on yourself. That your blood, that your life spilled out. Your death that takes us to death raises us to your resurrection life. So let's together now eat the body of our Lord. Now let's together receive the blood of our Lord Jesus for forgiveness of sin. New life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I want you to stand with me, please. What I've asked Sam to do is to um, lead us in a song that's a, a declaration. That if it's true, that we have been raised with Christ. Now, if there's anybody in here who has not been raised with Christ, if you've not consciously said, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. I, I want to put my trust in you that I might have a relationship with God and be raised to life after I die. Today is the day to say I'm in Jesus, I don't understand it all, but something in me tells me that this is true and this is what I need. The answer is yes. Do that now. Do that now. And afterwards, come up and talk with one of us about it. John or myself, we'd love to talk with you about that. But for the rest of us, if you put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to say it again. Paul said, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. The things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Not the things below, but the things above. The things that look like saying no to the philosophies of this world. Saying no to the cynicism and the algebra that says one plus one equals two. Where in the kingdom of God, one plus one equals infinity.
So we're going to pray. We're just going to sing this song as a prayer. And I want to challenge you to sing it with some trust as you focus on the things above. Go ahead, Sam. I see you move. You move the mountains. I believe. I see you do it again. You made a way. But there's no way. I believe. I see you do it again. I see you move. You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there is no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. See you move, you move the mountains. I believe I see you do it again. You made a way where there is no way. And I believe I see you do it again. 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 I see you move. I see you move. You move the mountain. And I believe. I see you do it again. Made away where there is no way. I believe I'll see you do it again. Per teams, if you could come forward, if there's anybody who just would like to agree in prayer just have somebody pray with you about this very thing I want to believe that I'll move mountains but I'm having trouble hey I'm with you sometimes we need to lean into the faith of others that will do that with us and for us it, that's we're, we're not supposed to do this alone we're not made to do it that way so come and we'll pray for you if you're deciding to put your faith in Jesus come on man let's do this today I pray that, pray that the Lord will bless us he'll keep us who make his face shine on us, who's going to shower us with his grace and just smile on us all week. Have a wonderful fourth weekend. Don't hurt yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.